three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast. We're joined today by CEO of Fixable, Dr. Jimmy Fang. Fixable is a virtual rehab and prevention solution. Dr. Fang, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. We're progressing, um, you know, moving towards this digital transfer transformation that's been sped up uh, due to COVID. So um, still progressing, working every day and, and building. How about you? How's life been for, for yourself and the company uh, due to COVID? Um, you know what? You know, as bad as COVID might be, it's been a godsend for us as a company. Uh, we grew like 1,500% in the first month, and uh, it was an absolutely um, um, a, a crapshoot. We, we kind of saw it coming um, probably in, back in February when uh, China was taking a hit. We thought it was a good stimulus, and we were actually going to, you know, do some work down there. But, you know, it came over pretty quickly. Uh, we were prepared uh, with their virtual solution. So... Not only do we provide one-on-one -on -one solutions with the best practitioners across the Canada, U.S., and the U.K., but we also have really cool self-help solutions, you know, created by the uh, best practitioners in the world. So, yeah, really, really excited for what's to come. It really ex expedited this field, I think, like 10x uh, because of COVID. Absolutely, that's that's great. It's great that you know you guys were were ahead of this thing. Um, uh, you know, seeing that COVID. <sighs> has come from China and you know with your background you, you moved to Canada from Shanghai yeah. what was it like making that transition for you as a kid to now a uh, you know a freer country where you're allowed to do a lot more for sure I mean we moved out because of communist China and uh, you guys probably can google google this but 89 Tiananmen Square was when the guys stood right in front of the tanks and like really petition against uh, communist rule. So um, it was crazy back then. And my father had the foresight to see what was going on down there. And what he did was he sold everything that we, we had um, and bought a one-way ticket here, uh, lived, in the, lived in the subway stations. I think it was Castle Frank, you know, for a couple of weeks until he was able to, you know, get his first job washing dishes in Chinatown started working his way up, sending money back to us, you know, and then, and then send, and then we came over in 89 and um, yeah. And then just took it from there. We, I mean, first three years in Canada, we slept on, I slept on two chairs <laughs> until, you know, we got things settled. So no, I definitely appreciate uh, where, where I came from. And I think it's, it's a lot of drive. It's, it's a lot of feel of never enough. And uh, I think, you know, it's one of the reasons, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs because you know you've lived through crap and uh you understand it's not that bad and you can do so much more and uh, and as long as you're appreciating all the way i think um i think all those life lessons are really help uh the path ahead because it's hard <laughs> yeah i, I could imagine definitely um you know i kind of look at covid as, as one of those things that get in the way of your plans right I, i'm sure your, your, your dad growing up had plans to become this or become that. Um, I'm sure, you know, as he moved to Canada, he had plans to become this, had plans to become that, but he had to figure it out. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's why we come together for this podcast is, you know, telling these stories and looking to find ways to, to motivate people and encourage people to continue to go. So I know COVID has come and, you know, disrupted the world, shaken the world, and it's, it's caused everybody to find ways to be innovative um 
but you know there's a, there's an entrepreneur in, in everybody i feel we all just need to kind of find it um back to your story how long did it take you to fit in in canada like what was that process like <laughs> uh that's interesting um i remember the first couple of years um i was bullied a lot for not being able to speak i, I remember at like i was i was cornered and bullied and uh i was pushed like to to the limits of me like and i couldn't communicate right so i remember one day my father even saw me and just watched me while these two kids bullied me was screaming at me and i just like freaked out at these kids and i think that pushed me towards like sports and you know for me wrestling was a massive sport for me it was such a a great calling and i think uh, i really like dive deep down there and i think if it wasn't for that sport uh, i don't think i'd be the person i am today as well and uh, you know a guy again grinds and you know having to lose 20 pounds in, in a week and a half to make way for nationals um it's like you know i think all that really puts perspective i guess 100 percent, 100 percent. it's funny how life has a a way of pushing us into stuff and that pushing us into stuff forces us to create things right they say uh with chaos comes opportunity right of course uh, take us through you know being a wrestler going to college and then you know what kind of pushed you into the business of being a chiropractor yeah you know what again i think it comes back to wrestling for me uh being a chiropractor I, um you know, growing up, being a wrestler, it's one of the most injury-prone probably sports you'll ever run into. Um, and my coach was a huge advocate of sports medicine and rehab. And so I've been to every single person possible. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for the handful of people that worked on me, I don't think I was able to, you know, succeed the way I did. Um, and because of that, you know, I lived in a clinic just all the time. And I, I saw the good and bad and the, and the real crap that's out there and i think why we even what i got into this was to help more people and to do what i i know what is best out there and to kind of reinvent how how rehab should be delivered right so yeah so that's kind of how i got into chiropractics and um and it was one practitioner specifically back in the day that you know i really show me what the difference was and it's not the just the old school guys who just crack and you smack them out the door he was a combination of manual therapy hands-on uh, he didn't mean acupuncture back in the day um, and a lot of functional rehab and uh, taught me a lot in regards to what i can do on a prevention basis so uh really instilled in me what you know physical rehab should be and um yeah and yeah i'm, I'm really grateful for those experiences to kind of mold me to be where i am today Dr. Feng, they talk about, you know, as an entrepreneur, you want to find something that you're passionate about and you would do it without the money, right? Yeah. As long as, you know, <laughs> everything was taken care of, would you still do this? Um, is that the same thing here for Fixable? Would you still do Fixable if, if there was no money involved and, you know, the rest of your life was taken care of? Do you really just enjoy helping people become better? Um, absolutely. Um you know, I could easily, the reason why we started Fixable because, you know, Hormone Function, the main clinic that we, we started, the brick and mortar back in 2009, and we, it was one of the first integrated clinics where we were able to, you know, get physios, chiros, sports medicine docs all together in one place to really transcend how, you know, 
rehab should be delivered. And then we have a you know 20,000 square foot gym. We're able to train those athletes. Um, so for me, I, I franchise that um, model and I did pretty well. And I could have just opened up more location, understood the business really well. But I think there's so much also crap out there in regards to services that we want to kind of democratize what rehab, really good rehab should be. And then we model around athletes and, and the athletes need the most care. And, you know, I don't think they're butter your bread, but I think at the end of the day, they're so fine tuned that you have to get these guys. And there's so much pressure to get them back into play that you're going to do the best that possible there is within research and best clinical practices. Right. So, um, yeah. So if I wasn't doing, you know, that, you know, I, I was, you know, this, I'd still be doing that. So I just want to touch more lives at the end of the day. And that's, that's what Fix is all about. So I guess the question now becomes, you know, did this need or, or, or feeling of helping others, you know, you being a former athlete, did that kind of push you once again into consulting for the UFC and Olympic trials? Was, is that safe to say that those two worlds came together for you and you're like, this is something else that I also want to add to my resume? Yeah. Um, you know, I did that very early on, you know, in my career. And um, I think as a practitioner, we go through practitioner, uh, it's go through school and you're, you know, you follow the best guys in the world. And for me, my, is my background is in sport you're always looking at the people who are treating the best guys in the world, right? So I wanted to touch that. And for me, you know, wrestling MMA, that was, a, that was my gig. So working here and abroad, you know, with that was definitely something I, you know, uh, I was really looking to achieve. And it's kind of one of the boxes I, I ticked. And um, yeah, I think, you know, and, and I think there's that opportunity, there's many people lining up for that opportunity. And I think, um, you know, I bowed out, uh, for those other people to uh, you know have more of those opportunities and I, and also you can't can't do everything you gotta focus on one thing at a time and life's a journey at the end of the day and um, I think all the paths all those little stepping stones kind of built who I am today and where where we're going next absolutely absolutely um, question here in and around um, working with athletes like how different from a doctor's perspective, is it working with athletes uh, as opposed to working like a regular Joe like myself? Um, I think very different. They're a lot more time consuming. Um, I think you have to you know, provide uh, a next level of care uh, for them because there's a lot more pressure to get them back quickly. Um, and But the thing with working with athletes, they understand a certain level of fitness. They understand a certain level of movement that you don't have to t uh, teach the basic population, right? So the education level is a little bit different, especially now with so social media and so much content that's out there. Um, so the bottom people, you got to work on basics. This is inflammation. These are the cells coming through. Here's tendonitis versus tendinopathies. You know, you have to work on that where the functional guy are the athletes. Um, you fix a specific problem and then you work on the mechanics of it during. And I think it's really, uh, it's a much easier conversation with them. Um, however, a lot more pressure to get them back quickly. Right. Right. Can you share a story about a, a time when you were working with an athlete for a, a big competition and what that process looked like for you? For sure. Um, you know, the athletes I liked working with the most were the guys who were coming up in the ranks. And um, just because there's so much more on the line for them. And 
like to, to actually make it. And, and for me, I think it was really, especially some of my wrestlers uh, at the, at the provincial national levels um, and a common, common injury um, for a wrestler is a separated shoulder, right? So that's where your AC joint or chromioclavicular joint pops. And sometimes you have a bit of a divot. So this guy, two, uh, two weeks before, um, uh, nationals and uh, I think he, he was juvenile nationals that year so he's probably about like 18 years old and the next step for him is like basically try to make the Olympic team and he, he had an AC joint like full out could not lift over a shoulder and his one of his favorite move was like a high like a high crotch where he has to go under it the arm has to go up so um, because I knew the sport super well I think we um, uh, number one there's a bunch of taping job you know, laser therapy, um, acupuncture along the way to get them, you know, sped up. And a typical thing for an AC joint, you're looking at at least four to six weeks to get to that first milestone, right? And it was only a couple of weeks away. So we worked with this team, uh, his coach all together, um, therapy every single day, essentially. And I came in even on the weekends to, you know, to speed things up, work on joint mobility, hand manual therapy, stabilizing shoulder blade to make sure the shoulder blade is moving well so he doesn't have to use the like ball and socket joint as much so we were able to stabilize it with like good taping while he's playing uh while he's uh wrestling and um you know a week and a half before he was 100 percent, probably about 70 percent but uh we were able to get him um get him on the mat and guy won his national championships so um he was uh he, he was definitely you know sought after to, to win there's one and two guys but he was up there but uh, an injury like that, that could be, you know, night and day. You can come in 16th versus first. So I'm um, pretty proud of that. I think those younger cats are really, really fun to work with. Um, the other side of things was we worked a lot on on-site medical. So I ran a, a company that basically hired about, you know, about 100 individuals across Canada to do on-site medical support for like uh, world championships, Olympic trials, you know, um, some USC events as well. And uh, getting those guys back in the ring or get back on the mat is like a whole different story. They'll do anything to get back and whatever you can put together for them to get back without like harming them um, was the, was the way to go. And that mentality is much very, very similar to the entrepreneur journey. I find where, You'll, if you really want it, you'll go back, you'll go in there and you'll figure it out. And I think a lot of people give, give out, you know, give away too early, give up too early. And you got to grind it through. If you don't put enough effort into it, if it's a secondary thing for you, it's not going to happen for you. You have to grind it out. This is a, it's a tough, tough road. There's no, nothing handed out to you. You know what I'm saying? So, it, you know, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it like night, night and day. You got to figure out a, a path, a vertical that really works out for you. Um, so I think, you know, you know, I think athletes and the athletic mentality and entrepreneurship is like hand in hand. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why the athlete tech group exists. That's right. Athletes make great business leaders because of the qualities that they've learned through their sport that now transition and transcend just sports alone. So a hundred percent. I want you to, to, to chat, a, chat to us about the difference between working with a MMA athlete and, you know, other athletes. Seeing that, you know, other athletes is a lot more running and jumping and um, things of that nature. Um, MMA is a, is a bit different, right? Like you, right. I, I feel you've, you've got to train 
everything from your your hands to your wrists to your forearms to your you know your core make sure your core is strong and not just strong you can hold the plank strong strong like you could take a punch strong <laughs> um, yeah definitely can you chat with us about you know the difference between mma athletes and other athletes so maybe i can just compare it to just running so i think running is the most is more predictable than any other sport and cycling, things that are really, really repetitive. You get repetitive injuries. And if you're a sprinter, then you get more like maybe ruptures, hamstring stuff, you know, maybe tendonitis and then eventually tendinopathies. Um, so it was very predictable. I can predict like from biomechanics and watching video footage to, uh, in regards to your hip position, gait position, valgus of the knee as to what are some issues you're gonna run into. And then what- Was that a play on words? Issues you're gonna run into. <laughs> um, this is gonna be a lot of play on words with fixable. <laughs> Love that. Um, but uh, yes, a lot more predictable. Film plays a huge part in it. Same thing with you know basketball players and jumpers knee. You know you probably see like two thirds of you know basketball players running into runner uh, jumpers knee, and if you watch some of their landing techniques, you'll see why, right? Um, where wrestling and MMA is so dynamic. It's so dynamic. You see a lot of acute injuries, um, as not as and not as much as um, um, maybe repetitive injuries. Like you, you basically have more like ACLs, like MCL, maybe ankles. Uh, you know, tons of neck stuff. Neck is probably something that's more on the repetitive side, where there's a lot of bobbing. Like some guys trying to pin your your bridging off your neck and trying right. to get it off your back. So you get some um, issues there. I had like numbs and tingling down my arms like as of, as of like my last year of school. So uh, you see a lot of those. So injuries are a lot more difficult, uh, difficult there. Um, well, difficult in the sense that they're just, it could be a little bit more severe where the, where the, um, where the, the runners, you're able to catch those things a little bit earlier, right? And right. They're, they're different, I, I would say, in getting people back to play. Absolutely. Um... I, I think in terms of your work with athletes and, you know, what you guys have been able to do with Fixable, I'd, I'd love to take a, a deep dive into Fixable and, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the business, right? Mm -hmm. um, you've been talking a lot about theory and, you know, uh, technicalities and, and being practical, but the business side, like what, when did you start Fixable and, you know, what, what inspired the idea in the first place? Yeah, um, I think I mentioned in the past, uh, what really inspired me is that we're just able to touch more people. And uh, Fixable at the end of the day, we're at end-to-end tele-rehab solution. So uh, we started with just content. So we thought of ourselves as like the headspace more for the physical well-being. So we had the content with like best solutions for low back pain, different types of low back pain, where it's leveled up and sequenced. So it's more of gamification within it. There's outcome measures embedded into it so you know how you're getting better over time and you're rewarded for getting better over time. Um, I think that's really important to gamify the process because it gets boring over time, you know? Um, and our job is not to get you just out of pain. Our job is actually to get you more functional so you can prevent. And then if you're interested, then performance. Performance can be uh, athletic performance or performance could be just like feeling amazing day to day, being able to be at the top of your game, be able to you know, go out and start your first running program. And that's performance for a lot of people, right? So, and I would say that was 90% of the people who actually see a, a rehab specialist. Um, so what we did was uh, we created self-help, but we noticed early on that, 
you need that people are still used to a traditional model where they were talking to somebody and wanted care with somebody so we built that quickly into the model right so we built our own zoom killer and within it we're actually have like we're building angulations and just so i can draw angles in there on you so i can get feedback right away we can we're building highlighters tools so we're pointing into the screen it's not on my body right it's on your body so it can be like and then push put about two pounds of pressure right here on the spot no not there right there on your body right so it's very specific to what we're doing and then along the way we're working with the national research council on augmented reality to show you if you're doing it properly so we have a we already have our first version of it you put yourself in the front facing camera say if you're doing a squat the system's going to tell you hey your knees too far over your your spine angle is not straight your back's bent your hips you're not getting down deep enough right so that's going to show you autonomously um to be able to you know work on these uh, things and make sure you're doing it correctly and on the back end we're capturing the data to make sure so the practitioner knows that you're getting better over time right so yeah so that's us in a nutshell and then we're always looking for better content our, our people are digesting a lot of the content with thousands of videos that we can mix and match and create solutions but i would love to see where uh, I love the model of like Khan and LeBron James, like just give you game time, you know, readiness. And, I, and for myself, that got me hyped up just like listening to it. And um, and I think Matthew McConaughey even like doing a talk on there. Now like John Legend's doing work with uh, Headspace um, and talking to people and motivating people. And same thing here, man. And every athlete's gone through their injuries. Uh, be it a jumper's knee, you know, ankle, toy, CL, um, shoulder, rotator cuffs or what have you. And we want the best guys like working with the practitioners to show you how do you, how do you prevent these things from coming in the future? What, what is good biomechanics and things that are really um, achievable and, you know, objective where we have those embedded cute uh, outcome measures that makes it very human and combine the science with literally human behavior. And just because this is how it should be does not mean how, this is how people do it. And the combination too, getting that right is really important for us. So that's, that's the type of, you know, influencers that people are actually looking for, um, you know, suffer themselves and want to tell their story too. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. You know, COVID yeah. had hit. I was, I think I was like 202, 202 pounds, 204 wow. pounds. Um, and I was like, well, I, I've, I'll never get this amount of time to work on myself ever again. So, you know, I followed a bunch of Instagram pages. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. Jill Therapy is one of them. Yep. He's always giving tips on, you know, stretching and opening up your hips and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, yeah, this, I think this, this, there's this, there's going to be this, this new thought around the quantified self. People are going to find new, want to find new ways to make themselves better physically, emotionally. Um, and I think fixable is a definite uh, application that people can use to become the best versions of themselves while at home. Right. Um, talk to us about how, how, how it was trying to scale the technology in the early days of fixable. Um, it was tough, you know, being a startup, you know, I, I sunk some money in, you know, initially we got some government grants and, we still didn't have a CTO. Even to this day, um, we still don't have a like full-on senior head honcho um, CTO at 200K a year, right? And you gotta run that way as a startup. And um, 
you have to be nimble and you have to be able to get your resources from different places to make it work. Um, I think lean startup methodology is really important too. Don't build too much, figure it out first, get the UX research in to make sure this is the product people will follow. And th is this the right route? Mm -hmm. And I, I've made mistakes in, the, mistakes in the past. I built an EMR back in the electronic medical record back in 2010. You know, we got that got distributed to nine, you know, health networks. I got out of that. You know, I, I've been through my rankings and we built too much there too. Right. Um, so build as little as you can to prove out the model. And I think that's really important from the beginning. It's not going to cost you too much to do that. And especially now with, you know, with cloud, with so many, you know, no code and so many services out there that I can, you know, whip something up, you know, for, you know, a couple grand, even a couple hundred bucks, you can probably put something together or even like um, use an envision to kind of show mock-ups of that and just like put it back in, you know, something, put, you know, strap it together. That's super important. And, you know, get some of those positive notes and, and, and feedback mechanisms to see, is this viable? Is this doable? And ask the right questions, right? Um, and always talk to your user in the beginning. Uh, you don't have to take all the work for, you know, for face value because what they do versus in front of you versus, you know, behind you is two different things, but you're going to get a lot of value from human question, asking the right open-ended questions. So, you know, doing that right from the beginning, I think was, you know, was something that we did and, um, you know, and we're still doing that, you know, day to day, just making sure we have a strategy meeting every Thursday. And one of the key things we asked our uh, leadership team is that number one, what is your, what did your team have to say uh, about the product? in the last week and then what the customers have to say about a product and in certain levels so um we are always listening and always you know making the product better absolutely Increment. Uh, when when did you start fixable we uh officially um no i was dibbling dabbling for like eight years just to, like in my year in my in my head sorry um, I, I jumped the gun in 2017 and just incorporated the company and then started building the team around it. Um, and so we didn't really build a core team until like 2018. So it was really two years, it was head down. And then we just started monetizing back in, you know, late 2019 and uh, just kind of found product market fit within like, um, within about four, I guess, four months. Um, and, and then now we're just uh, working on the sales and just beefing it up. How many people are on the team currently? Uh, we have 11 uh, that's working on the product, and we have about uh, 20 odd uh, practitioners. 20 practitioners? 21, I believe, altogether. Wow, so that's a pretty big team. So how do you, how do you manage everybody? Um, I've had big teams in the past, so it has never been a problem. Just setting right leadership and then making sure they're controlled. Uh, certain people and then just good tiered methodologies. We, we were flat uh, for a long time and we still, you know, there's people who run people, but when we do a standups daily, we're still pretty flat. Um, I just want to kind of hear what's going on, especially from our development team um, and our product teams. And so, you know, having the right people on board is really important and, you know, hire slow, fire fast, <laughs> super important. And uh, there's nothing worse than, a leech that's like you know sucking you dry and holding you back and just make sure just to plug the um, you know pull the cord when that happens but i think again just like be objective have other people you need to talk to i sit on two forums one with startup health we're invested by startup health um one of the biggest probably best accelerators for startup uh, 
health companies in the world. They're backed by Mark Cuban, Esther Dyson, Jerry Levine's. We'll get to, you know, get insights from those guys uh, periodically. And, um, and we sit on a forum. It's like YPO type of forum. There's like nine people within our forum and there's a leader um, uh, led by Jamie Edwards. Actually, he's a good colleague of mine. He has a half billion dollar company and um, they, they literally lead you along the way. And you talk about, you know, personal, personal stuff, um, business, of course, and also the family side of things. So you're holistically there. So getting feedback, you know, is really, really important You're for yourself as well as your product. And I think in that feedback, th those people will tell you and, you know, bridge the gap in regards to what you're missing on your team. So that's helped me uh, a lot along the way. For sure. Absolutely. So it sounds like you've, you've built this mentorship forum that's, that's going to continue to help you grow. Um, and as an entrepreneur, I thousand percent believe in having multiple entrepreneurs, uh, multiple mentors yeah. in different spaces. Cause you know, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. Um, I think the other piece within that is um, I love that you guys look at it from a holistic approach, right? Most people just have mentors for business, but don't really talk about the personal the, without the personal going a certain way. It's hard to pour into the business. So uh, yeah. I just wanted to add those, those two cents. Um, within your team, any, any former athletes? Um, you know what? Our, they all started as former athletes. Like our, our co-founder, Leon, when we first started, he, he's a cyclist. Uh, he has a repetitive, you know, strain background. Uh, another guy we started with initially was Rafiq. He was part of the whole MMA gig. And he's also a developer. That's how we, you know, started with their first product. Um, and all of my guys, a lot of the guys have an athletic background, right? And just, I kind of, I guess, steer towards them. Um, I don't think they're at a high, like super high level, but they understand at, at a level of um, what I, I say is hormesis, like just what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's what Fixable is all about too. You know, you're, it's always about loading your system and understanding mentally what is enough stress for you to get better. Um, and so I always kind of, I'm always fond of those individuals for sure, because we think on the same line, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, what were some of your, you know, your bigger challenges you discovered as you, you know, you guys had launched, um, you know, you were trying to get the product out in front of the world. Like what were some of the mediums and channels and things that you did to get to your consumer? Right. Uh, so it's challenging in the beginning, um, very, very tough in the beginning. And I think it's just hard, hard growth hacking hustle along the way. And you have to, a lot of people say, focus, 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 focus. You cannot focus in the beginning. There's no way you can focus in the beginning. You'll be leaving so many things out off the table. What you have to do, there's a book, there's actually a book called Range. You should, um, last name is Ellis. I can't remember the first name, but it's called Range. It talks about, and it gives great example of athletes like Tiger Woods versus Roddick and how they came up to be. Uh, there's certain people who are very, very good and just doing one thing, doing one thing well, but later in life, they don't, it's, they're very limited. Um, but I think what's really important in a startup company is that you find that range first. You don't have to go super deep in every vertical, just go wide and just, you know, you're not going to go all over the world, but what makes sense for your business, go wide enough to dibble and dabble in each. So you're, you have enough range to go, you know, a level up and not just like superficial, but a level up. So you're able to put enough money and resources in it to see if this is the right thing to do. 
once you start getting those signaling and you have to be able to like read those signals really well, then you're going to start putting more efforts into that. And your, your circle of things you do becomes smaller and it becomes easier. And once it becomes smaller, it becomes so much easier. Like, and you have to write into your principles that this ish doesn't work. This doesn't work. This is the thing I'm going to focus on. Okay. Now it gets even tighter. Right. And then you work your way up and then you slowly, open up some of the other ones that were okay and see if you can, you know, now put more effort into it. That effort equals more output, right? So uh, that's growth hacking 101. And that starts with, you know, basic things like social media and basic things like, you know, SEM, you got to start with SEM before SEO, but you're dibbling dabbling in SEO in the beginning because you have to write those content pieces to, you know, drive that, drive that, um, the backlinks and everything else, right? Talking to influencer, getting those people to backlink into you, and then talking to corporates, talking to hospitals in the beginning, um, you know, getting a lot of no's there. And we're still working on working on those. We have two UHN and Mark Cristobal that we're working on right now. Um, but those, that's really important. And you know, figuring out that, and then that's when you're gonna really understand where your product market fit is, and then it's gonna really work towards that one trajectory, and then moving from there. So what we do is. We figured out quickly that you know partnerships with corporations work really well. So we're looking for corporates, you know, you know, a couple hundred uh, members and above, and we're able to go in and provide free services. Here's a platform we can help you just at work, feeling good. We have ergonomics for work from homes, how to set up your um, workstation properly. That's the prevention side, right? And then you can talk to a practitioner anytime. Use your current insurance dollars and talk to us, you know, right there and then. So that gets us in at a at a free choice. So we're we're launching with Shopper Drug Mart in September. Uh, we're, we, uh, we're League Insurance, we work with Wabanisa, Sante Circle Health, uh, and you know we started with the Hilton actually. So um, those are some of the verticals you we start with. And then on the other side, we get to service them. We, have, we build really good content, getting influencers involved uh, to help with the content. And uh, also, you know, we have practitioners doing the one-on-one. So um, yeah, you have to go wide before you go high. <laughs> No, absolutely. I um, love the, you know, the, the growth hacking strategy, bootstrapping and really tapping into free resources. You know, everyone thinks you as an entrepreneur, as a startup, you go raise a bunch of money and you just use all the money to help your company grow. There's a lot of free tools out there that could be used that we don't need to. Not everything comes down to cash. And, you know, what you just shared um, speaks to that. Uh, um, would you, I guess, COVID-19 has kind of been a, a growth hack for Fixable, right? You guys have grown 1,500% during the time, which is great, but a, a lot of work as well. How, how do you guys plan to manage to stay on track and retain all of these new patients? Um, you know, I think it comes down to just really good organization, a lot of sleepless nights, of making sure you create good org structure and it's it's a bit of governance at this point to really push on the governance that and in a couple of meetings back we do these meetings uh, the startup health meetings as well as my entrepreneur group um we do them one once a month so um one i remember one day coming in and just like and you get to present if your problem's big enough and my problem was that literally like i had too much demand don't know how to like conquer this demand and be able and not lose that trash and lot lose people along the way because your quality diminishes right so i think that it came down to my group 
you know, just sitting down straight. I know Jim's gonna, it's gonna take some more time to organize this and, you know, get the proper organizing structure in place, but let's get this down. And what that meant for me, Josh Singer like spelled it out really well. He's a, he's a CEO of Cognitive Marketing and Optimize Me. Uh, he, he has like a thousand employees. And um, he's like, you know what? It, I know it's all over the place. Start with perfection. What does perfection mean for you? So we drew up perfection. So I'm at the top, here are these individuals, here's what my board looks like, here are the people working under them. I can't hire this person because I can't afford them yet, but this is when I'm gonna hire them. And then it worked way down until where I am at now. And then I'm like, okay, this makes so much sense. And I just promoted a couple people, you're on top of this, you own this KPI, you own this objective, right? Uh, our key measure, and, and you run with it. And it's, it's incredible how you're, you know, you're able to like turn on the switch for some people. Some people fail and you, you should find them right away or you know, demote them. But the individuals I like turn on, whole next level, you know what I'm saying? Like um, is Jordan back in high school versus Jordan you know, in the NBA? <laughs> you gotta put them in the same ranks and play in the same game for them to up their ante, right? So um, yeah, I think that's really important. I think at some point you gotta drive governance and I think just, heads down for those is really important got to have a good mixture of the two and that's that's the difference between you know entrepreneurs who win and entrepreneurs who fail and um it, you got to figure it out right and there's no you know there's no cookbook for every single you know every single business they're all different you got to find what works for you Absolutely. now you're talking about governance and and structure um one thing you said was you know you when you speak to your employees, like you're going to own this KPI. Yeah. Is that version of entrepreneur? Um, Cause you know, we talk about um, there's entrepreneur and then there's entrepreneur. Are you, are you a, a CEO that's constantly pushing your employees to be more entrepreneurial? Um, let's talk about that a little bit more. No, I think, I think what's really important is finding people and, to understand what their superpowers are right and understand what they're really really good at and then if you can find some of those traits and those signals amongst them if you put more like you know resources behind it and they get to you know really shine in that vertical i think that's the that's really the good bet um in regards to like you know fostering to be a certain label i i don't know i thought i don't think i thought that you know that deeply into that path um but i think um just understanding is this is this like and i failed at this too you know giving a certain person all these tasks and you know objective tasks when they're more of a people-facing person and they're not able to objectively you know quantify these things and put it together for me and then and then i just see that as failure and i keep going back to them you know beating them down when they're the superpowers are not that and nowhere are they be able to you know change that you know what i'm saying like as much as you want to you know push hard trying to you know make it better at some point you got to have the right people you know to, to push hard and move up um, move towards that vertical um in regards to um having other entrepreneurs on the uh, on on the team um i think it, it, i think it's important in certain positions and certain positions they just need to take good structured policy procedures and run with it and don't let um the deviation to that operator like here is here's a path here's like you know blinders on and work within that path right. 
then there's marketing growth hacking people. Of course, they've got to be like super entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial and they have to be able to think in so many verticals and be able to, you know, hack things through and see what new things work. And, you know, we talked a little bit about verticals. At some point, anybody, anything can hit, you know, and Facebook can go down and your algorithms can go down for SEO and then your, your business can be done. So what are some other options that are a way to, you know, get around that, right? So that's really important to have certain, those types and certain roles. Absolutely. Problem solving is, is, is a skill that people, entrepreneurs especially, need to have. But I think em, em, employees also should have, right? If you, know, you don't know the answer, figure it out before even asking for help, right? Um, I think that, that, that goes to help push uh, individual goals. And as people are able to reach these individual goals, the company goals continue to grow. So uh, that was just to kind of add on to your point. Um, what do you think the future of healthcare will look like? And do you see it being more virtual? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, all the talk is virtual right now when it comes to healthcare. Every every doctor has some type of you know tool to go online right now uh, to do the virtual care. Um, I think the video portion is not like everybody's doing it. You can you know just you can build on so many different platforms to to do that. Uh, I don't think that's the the main thing. But I think what virtual does is creates better access, and I think it also makes you more objective like severely more objective as a practitioner. Um, a lot more stuff is done through history. Um, yes, we can do tons of movement and we can track movement and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, from a, as a physio standpoint, like a majority of um, the consultation with your medical doctor, 70% of the diagnosis is done after the history, right? Uh, you're, already, you're already down that path. And then you use orthopedic tests or, you know, testing or blood work, whatever it is, to reiterate and make sure that is the right uh, diagnosis. Um, so I think the best companies coming out of this are going to be the people who are very specific to their niche uh, and what they do and be able to do that extremely, extremely well. And there's going to be so many people trying to do so many different things uh, within it, but it's going to be hard for you to you know, really scale because what you do in I think, orthopedics and you know, sports medicine movement is way different from like pathology, you know, way different from your family doctor, you know, consultation where you're looking for, you know, prescription, whatever, whatever, right? Um, and way different from psychology because there's there's different tools for outcome measures. I think this is where the world of outcome measure really and outcome measure just in in your world just means data, <laughs> right? To make sure are you getting better? And it's not just fully subjective; it's objective finding through subjective questions, right? And as well as measuring tools, like for us is augmented reality and you know those type of things. Um, I think by doing that, it makes the practice better, especially in physio and rehab. Um, and I think making those tests and having that whole pool of information that you should be in charge of, and that's where interoperability is really important, um, it's gonna be the next wave. I think somebody has to come out with and there's a couple of companies right now um, with a, a proper electronic, you know, health record where everything's in one place. And the only person that should own this is you. Mm. And Absolutely. you should have 100% ownership of that. And where that, that's government, you know, somewhere, somewhere's like super, super, super safe. And you have full control of it. So you understand your health a lot more. And then I think this, this app or this, 
uh, technology should be able to take information from everywhere else. Apple's already doing some of that and Android to a degree as well. We were talking to Samsung a little while ago to integrate what we do uh, within their health app. And they're, they're trying to do this and they're trying to place one place where you have all your health data, your control of it, you understand it. And I think at some point AI can really drive understanding of your data into human language. And so, you know, these are the, these are things I have. And then the next step is how do you fix it? What is the minimal viable thing you can do right now to fix it? So we're adding that portion to it, you know, right now. So um, for physical, the physical side of things, right? So I'm really excited to see like, what that means for other people. Then that way we can up the ante in healthcare. You know what I'm saying? Like not so much time is spent down here fixing stupid crap that can be totally prevented, you know? And half of these problems can be prevented with just movement and proper eating. Uh, intermittent fasting being one, you know, we're eating too Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Food is Absolutely. one of the biggest killers, right? So. Um, all those things kind of put together, I think on a prevention level is really important and make prevention cool. Prevention is really hard, man, to, to hit. We started with prevention. That's really hard. You got to hit pain over the head, create trust there, and then go to prevention because human, the human psychology is really lazy. Most people are lazy. They're not going to do if it's not bad enough, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you, you hit it right on the head. People generally are lazy. You know, it takes motivation, interest, desire to, to get things going. Um, I guess one of my last questions is, you know, how do you see hospitals and clinics adapting to technology, um, seeing that hospitals and clinics are going to be very busy for the foreseeable future? Yeah, um, they're, they're going to be really, really busy, um, not just with COVID, but, you know, the aging population as well. Um, hospitals need to adapt quicker and they don't allow enough budget for digitalization. And, you know, healthcare is always the last to uh, change because of the red tape, one of the last, right? It's really hard vertical. Um, and, and you're seeing it now because of COVID. And we're at the end of a wave, right? So we're end of a web 2.0 wave. The next step is 5G and there's a whole slew of technology you're gonna see that's coming out. And this is the time for healthcare. So the, the bigger conglomerates like big hospitals and big clinics, they, they go last because there's a lot, especially in Canada, because it's all government run. In the States, a little bit more different because it's more privatized. Um, and then, which still trickles to the top of an employer. It's a whole mess down there. But um, those are gonna go last. I think the individual clinics are already doing this. We see this in you know, clinical practice, a lot of you know, virtual care, as well as you know, tools that they're adopting. Uh, like the bigger clinics are adopting our tools, like Totem, one of the bigger, uh, um, sports medicine and like uh, lifestyle type of um, clinics and form and function are, are adopting these tools already because there's access to us. Um, but to, to move the bigger conglomerates, you're going to still probably still see, still see a couple of years, you know, out. Um, but there's really cool, you know, technology that's already out there for remote monitoring. And that's one of the things we do at really well. And I think more and more that's going to come into play. I think eventually that's going to play into that health data where you're able to control all that information and let let something to help you understand what that means. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Fang, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It was great to take a deep dive in, you know, into the future of health, um, into MMA, into wrestling, into your history. Um, it was, it was great to talk about, you know, building your team and entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, to see you guys, 
have been able to grow 1500% is astronomical. Um, I look forward to having you on a future episode and saying, hey, Randy, yeah, we know we, we sold Fixable to, to, to Shoppers Drug Mart for X amount of dollars and we've now started a new company because you know we, we want to continue to find, uh, fill that right. entrepreneurial drive. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Unplugged podcast by the Athlete Tech Group. Um, any last words that you wanted to share with our audience before we go? Uh, thanks for having me on, by the way, Randy. Um, this is great. I think you guys are doing an amazing thing. And for all those athletes out there looking to looking to understand what you know technology is and how it plays into a field, uh, feel free to reach out uh, to Randy or I or any of the guys on the team. Um, for us, we're looking for those individuals who you know might be interested. Had a journey in pain and injury and would like to share their journey with us. Um, and you know. I think I mentioned a little bit about the LeBron James and Com integration. We're we're working on that right now. So with other athletes, and uh, we have some Olympic athletes under our belt. We'd love to see some pro athletes uh, along with it. So feel feel free to reach out at Jimmy at Fixable dot com, and um, yeah, uh, love to be back at some point in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.